Hi there and welcome to the Gamer Get Podcast. This is a podcast where we get gamers on to talk about games and the latest gaming news with a focus on Japan. This is episode 5. I'm your host Genki, a gamer living in Japan and making tweets and videos in Japan. And today we have a very special guest joining us for today's show. Please welcome one of the great Xbox YouTubers out there and a big fan of the Final Fantasy VII Remake series and a Knight of the Iron Lords podcast roundtable, the one and only Lord Addict. How's it going? Going on pretty good. It's pretty good, man. I really appreciate the invite. I've actually been looking forward to this. Uh, you know, I don't really get to talk to a lot of people uh, that's not based in like the UK or, or you know, the, the States. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to see someone else's perspective outside of those regions. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's good uh, to have you on. Thanks so much for taking your time uh, to come on the show today. I'm looking forward to to talking to you. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, so yeah, so to start the show, we like to uh, get to know a bit about people's gamer origins in this section called the Gamer Origins, uh, where we like to hear about people's gamer origins to find out how people got into video games. And yeah, Lord Addict, we'd love to hear how you got into video games and games from Japan. Yeah, so I think I think it all started from Final Fantasy. You know, I remember I remember convincing my mom to go out and pick me up like Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah, it wasn't the first Final Fantasy I played, but it was the probably the most memorable because of that's when you started like really seeing like those first like leaps when it comes to cinematics. I remember the the huge, uh, you know invade the the beach cut scene that was in eight right before uh before you fight the the first uh the first summon and uh no actually it was after the first summon it was it was after the entry exams that you got there and it's like ever since then you know final fantasy 7 i really enjoyed that game you know it what's funny is i was one of the few people that didn't play six until years after i played seven and eight so you know because at that time it wasn't as easy as just going to your to your store and just buying it like you had to actually find it you know this is before amazon really was popping the way it is like you had to actually find that copy of that game to play and not to mention like the localization issues where you know uh if i if if i understand correctly you know our numbering system of the final fantasy is different from your guys's numbering system of the final fantasy franchise oh yeah at the start it was different yeah for like the first three i think yeah yeah so you know it took a little bit of time for me to like you know track that game down uh but you know then eventually i went and i played four five you know i played three i even played dissidia you know, I, I, I've I played just about every Final Fantasy you could think of. I played Dang. Crystal Chronicles. Oh, yeah, that was a good one <laughs> on the GameCube. Yeah. Yeah, I used to play that game with my brothers, and then we'd do a fight over, like, who was carrying the crystals and who was picking up all, like, the pickup stuff. <laughs> it, was quite, it was a fun game. Yeah, it was it was a fun time, man. That, that's why, you know, a lot of my origins when it comes to gaming does relate you know, obviously I, I played it in the States, but all of it was made uh, on the east part of the world. Mm-hmm. So. At that time, yeah, most of the games were coming from, yeah, like, you know, Nintendos and Segas and Playstations, yeah, were coming from Japan at that time. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's quite, yeah, it's cool to hear you got into gaming quite early and, yeah, you're still uh, really into it at the moment. Yeah, F- Final Fantasy's always been the core. I don't really... 
like the direction they've been going with the franchise. I personally feel like, you know, I would wanted them to be more like Atlas and it was like, you know, we're not going to try to to chase these people that might may or may not like our franchise if we start like, you know, putting more free time battles in the game. You know, we're we're going to stick to our guns, keep it turn based mm-hmm. and just evolve the turn based combat. And I I respect Atlas for that because Square Enix, it just seems like it's a hit and miss if that ideology actually is working or not. Because I feel like one Final Fantasy would be a a hit. The next one would be very underwhelming to a lot of people. Because I personally didn't like 16 very much. I felt like it it had the Final Fantasy name, but I wouldn't go as far as that it, it felt like a Final Fantasy game. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. I think they're changing up the formula a lot, and they're trying like to evolve the series. And yeah, the sixteen was quite uh, uh, different from the previous ones in a few ways, for sure. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I also noticed like yeah, a uh, reason why I got you on the show today because I noticed you're into like these Japanese games, and um, yeah, it's quite rare with especially with the content creators on like Xbox content creators online. Um, it's quite rare to find ones that are really into like Japanese games and JRPGs. Um, yeah, would you say that was true or? Yeah, I, I would say that when it comes to like, I don't know, for, for some reason, I feel like a lot of my peers, especially in the Xbox community, I would say it's a little bit more standard on the PlayStation side. Uh, but especially on the Xbox side, you know, I feel like the origins of Xbox was shooters, you know, Halo, Inf- uh, Halo, Halo, Infinite, Halo, you know, Gears, I, I would say Call of Duty led a big role to that because of how big mm-hmm. Call of Duty was. Because if people don't remember, like, Call of Duty's prime was when it was being marketed on the 360. So that's where a lot of the origins of Xbox came from, was those shooter days on playing Halo 3, playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. So I think throughout the years, it's, it's kind of gotten better as being known as the shooter box. But I would say... A, a large portion of the people that play that game on that platform they they don't play you know a lot of like especially turn-based games and, and i think that's a lot to do with you know when, when you when you think about getting and you know i want to play final fantasy i want to play octopath traveler uh you know th- there's a lot of franchises that you know you just don't socialize with the xbox brand like mm-hmm. at all you know and, and naturally if you want to play those games they would drift towards like a PlayStation or a Switch because more of those games come to those platforms. And that's why I'm always, you know, uh, every time I make a, um, a JRPG video on my channel, Mm -hmm. it's just a, it's a hit and miss. Sometimes people like it. Sometimes they don't. Most of the time, if I talk about final fantasy seven, the, the video do very well, but for the most part, it's, it's a hot and cold, lukewarm kind of thing, man. It's like, okay, you know, um, I personally feel like, in order to get there, you got to start grabbing as many of these games. You cannot let them come later. They have to come day and day with the PlayStation and Switch counterparts because you got to prove to this audience that would buy an Xbox and used to play Xbox, but they had to buy PlayStation for, for this particular type of game. We got you. If you buy our platform, you will get that game. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. They need that day and day. And I like what, because I recently had Peter Moore on your show, which uh, I listened to and it was really, really, really good interview. So yeah, I recommend uh, go listen to that, the Iron Lords podcast interview with Peter Moore. 
Um, yeah, and he talked about uh, also like uh, trying to make a big splash in Japan and going out and getting those um, deals to get those Japanese games day and date on Xbox. And yeah, he was he was really a big component of that. And yeah, I'd like to see that. Um, yeah, and it's good to see it's happening more nowadays. And also like the third party publishers are more willing to put stuff on Xbox these days as well. So that's good to see. Yeah, and it's like people say, well, if Xbox has to pay, you know, to have it developed or pay for the port or pay them to bring it to the platform. And I'm, I I don't want to hear none of that because it's like at the end of the day, Microsoft put themselves in the situation and they're the ones that need to dig themselves out of the situation. And I don't care if they have to, to pay for everyone's copy on the Xbox platform. Like you're never going to grow in that market unless you make the initiative. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Yeah, they, they they have to take the initiative uh, as well. But yeah, it's good to see they're doing that at the moment. So that's that's good to see. Okay, thanks, Lord Addict, for that. Um, so yeah, let's get into the news topics for the week. So uh, story number one is Final Fantasy VII Rebirth at the Tokyo Game Show. So yeah, I was lucky enough to attend the Tokyo Game Show this year. And I got to play Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. And yeah, it was really cool. And yeah, we talked about some of the topics in last uh, week's show. And um, yeah, here I wanted to talk about more about the open world that they talked about. And um, this is from the BBC via Tom Richardson. And he talked about the open world is going to be a major feature. So here he says, like Final Fantasy 16, Square Enix's most recent PS5 title in the mainline series. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth will feature a large open world area, um, but the game director Mr. Hamaguchi said that it won't be a go anywhere you want, do anything you want style of game from the get-go like Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. We will start out with a fairly broad area, a fairly wide area to explore, he said, but there are limitations on it. Then as the story progresses, as the game progresses, you get new abilities and open up new areas and the game expands further and further. Hamaguchi says that the developers want the open world to work as one single space with all of the towns, all of the dungeons and everything linked together seamlessly in one space. It was a really important feature that we wanted to add to this game and one thing that we wanted to focus on was the idea that you're giving the player the opportunity to explore and experience the world. So yeah, we got that news on the open world, and um, but yeah, Lord Addict, what were your general impressions of uh, seeing the Final Fantasy VII Rebirth news recently? Uncle, I was jealous. <laughs> I was like, I don't like every one of them people up there at TGS playing this game right now. I was like, I'm happy for you guys though, man. Oh, yeah, like, I've been waiting really for this game. Yeah. I remember when Seven Remake first had that that first big gameplay reveal, and they were fighting. Uh, the machine at the very beginning. I can't, I forget mm -hmm. his name. Oh, the uh, and thing? yeah, the scorpion. He's sitting there climbing on the walls. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just sitting here like so hyped. <laughs> and now after I played that game, you know, especially the 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 curveballs they gave us towards the end of remake, and mm -hmm. we're sitting here going into rebirth, and it's just like now we're only a couple months away from it, and it, it's just it's kind of unreal a little bit, and you know, seeing. They took a lot of that criticism they got from the first one, which to me, Remake was a masterpiece. It's one of the very few games I I think is close to like a perfect game. Oh, wow. 
and uh you know i really enjoyed what i played of it now i see you know they're, they're being a little bit more expansive of how they handle the world you know i saw the chocobos i saw the chocobo racing they took the gold saucer and all the mini games there and they really expanded on that because if you think it they could get, they could cut a lot of that and i don't think a lot of people would complain uh because you know those gold saucers games were fun and as long as they kept the the top tier ones i think they would be fine but the fact that score enix because i know that costs a pretty penny to implement into this game mm -hmm. and instead of cutting a lot of those and just kept some of the core ones they're like no we're gonna go ahead and give you the majority of them because they they were showing you left to right every one of them they, it was the the one where you're pretty much reliving going down the uh the midgard road there the the chocobo racing's back in all its glory like they had the punching one it's mm -hmm. just like it it's just a lot of nostalgia man a lot of nostalgia I'm curious how the fight fighting square is going to be reimmitted back into it, because uh, you know mm. that's how you got the Omni Slash in, in the original Final Fantasy. So it's like, is that going to be in this game, or are they going to save that for the third game? The like, third game, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's going to be fun, man. I love how they re, uh, they redid the you know the the past experiences between Cloud and Sephiroth uh, when they were in Nibelheim and they were going up through the mountains and mm -hmm. stuff like I really yeah. love how they did that you know uh, from the way you were describing it they did a really good job at reenacting that in, in, in a higher mm -hmm. way you know because if that's one of the things that I can always say is like that was one of the highlights of the game because it's the only time Sephiroth is in your party and you can look at his stats oh yeah and, and he I don't know if you ever looked at his, like all his material dude's got maxed out everything he's level 50 yeah he's so OP <laughs> yeah and, and what's funny is yeah. like you when you hit level 50 and when Sephiroth's level 50 two different level 50s apparently like <laughs> because when I hit level 50 I was strong but I wasn't Sephiroth strong like the dude had like life two maxed and who's he gonna like why he had life two because he's reviving other people he ain't going down like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's super OP. He's just one hitting everything, right? The dragon, <laughs> even even that, yeah. he hit that thing twice and it died. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That's the uh, the part of the demo I enjoyed the most because uh, I went back and played that part twice. It was so good. Uh, you had to like line up again in the line, like wait another half an hour and then go play it again. Yeah, it was really good. And playing as Sephiroth was like yeah, super impressive and like. Yeah, his moves are so cool and like his combat is so, like really good and like it's really fleshed out as well like he's got all these techniques and moves so like I was thinking like uh, maybe he will be playable in like another area of the game because just to have him playable in just the Nibelheim flashback would be kind of a waste or like because like he's such a cool character but maybe you can play him in like the VR mode or they'll maybe introduce some other story mode where you can play as him I don't know I think it would be cool if you beat the game. Mm -hmm. You could do a new game plus with Sephiroth and your team. <laughs> yeah, that would be sick. Because because they, they've clearly already built his character, so it's just yeah, like let yeah. us have a little fun, man. Yeah, let like, us have fun. Let us fight Sephiroth as Sephiroth, man. Like who cares? Like, <laughs> yeah, let's go wacky. Yeah, they're already going pretty wacky with everything else. So they're like they're 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 free to do things. So hopefully they do that as well. That's a good idea. <laughs> Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, he felt really cool, and uh, yeah, I got to pause the menu a bit, and like you can see his stats and stuff. Uh, they didn't let you edit the material, 
it was locked off, like the material and the I don't think you could edit it in seven, the remake, uh, oh, the okay. original one either. Yeah. Like for some reason, I you might have been able to, but for some reason, I feel like when you would click on them, it wouldn't let you do it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, hopefully in the main game, like, yeah, you'll be able to do it. But we'll see. It was just a demo I played, so it was just like, but yeah, it was really cool. And uh, just to see the new gameplay elements, um, they are making it a bit more like uh, ad adventure like. Um, like some of the um, traversal of the area felt a bit more like Uncharted in this new one. Um, like going up to Nibelheim, there was like these yellow ledges you have to climb up, like un like a Uncharted game or like Last of Us kind of game. Um, so they are changing it up a bit. But um, and in the open world, you can like there's a jump button. You can press circle and you climb stuff. Like you can climb walls and uh, like that are about up to head height. So yeah, they are ad adding new elements to the gameplay, which I thought was really cool. But yeah, I'm happy to hear you're like really excited for it. And uh, yeah, I think it'll be really good. And yeah, like you said, also the remake was like one of my favorite games for the PS4 generation. So yeah, it was like really amazing. And yeah, I share your sentiment with the remake. It's like a super good game. Um, yeah, what, what elements would you like to see improved from remake or was remake like perfect for you? Um, I didn't like the fact how they handled the all material in that game. I don't think they were called all material in remake. It was called something else, but essentially it was the all material from the uh, the original one. Uh, I understand not. Here's my thing: like, I understand not wanting the game to be broken, and but it's just like I felt like that was one of the points to you know Final Fantasy is like building the character how you wanted to build it. I don't know if you've ever looked at it, but if you look up like material combination in seven it is it is ridiculous like the amount of i think there's a way you can summon nice of the realm six times oh damn <laughs> like so it's just like to me that's what my biggest thing would be it's like you know really let us experiment with that material because i felt like it wasn't bad in seven remake but i never felt like i was in control over that like a hundred percent like i really do like how they implement and they put them in the weapons that you have like they really do go above and beyond doing that. It's just, let me be a little bit more creative with the materials. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think they'll yeah do that in the, in Rebirth. I think they'll expand maybe like the different, um, like leveling up of material or something or like crafting of material or we'll see. But yeah, it seems like they're going to have more expanded options for material in this game, um, which looks cool as well. And uh, what do you think about the new open world, uh, segments of the game it doesn't seem like it's going to be like uh, zelda like a one complete uh big open world but it's, it seems like it's going to be more like open like big open areas but they're all like joined together uh like seamlessly like final fantasy 10 where it's like a yeah. big open area but i would say less floating screens than 10 but the same yeah. concept if you want to get to this content you probably have to go like through a ship mm -hmm. or something or, you know, eventually if they give you an airship, they probably won't give you an airship in this game. No, um, yeah, no. But, um, you know, I saw the the uh, the vehicle. I saw the chocobo. So clearly there's enough of this game that you you are required 
to have some form of transportation already. So that's good. Uh, you know, as long as it's done well, you know, multiple layers, give me Easter eggs for, for exploring the world. But, like, don't make it so ridiculous that I need a golden chocobo 10 hours in the game. Like, <laughs> it's like, because that chocobo yeah. is annoying to breed in seven. I don't want to breed. I want that portion to be easier in this. Because, for so, like, because that was a lot of RNG to, to get, like, the uh, the black chocobo. Or it might have been the brown. I don't know. I can't remember the color patterns. But there was a couple of those that was annoying because it was RNG. And it's just like, make that easier, man. Like, especially if you're going to have us traveling these big worlds, mm -hmm. uh, like big areas. I would say that is probably more of an accurate term because games like Zelda's out they're, they're outliners. Like most open worlds or even, you know, hub worlds, they don't function the way Zelda does. Zelda functions the way that game does because that is what it promises its demographic, its player base, its gamers. You know, this is most likely going to be like I said, a Final Fantasy X, way more in-depth, and, you know, you're able to go different layers depending on what vehicle or what chocobo you have, and it's, yeah. you know, going to lead you to, uh, you know, all the areas that, that the game has to offer. Because I, I think that was always the thing that I was always skeptical before Final Fantasy VII Remake was announced, is, you know, Midgar is one thing. How are they going to replicate the, the, the overworld? in the game because that that's time yeah exactly yeah it'd be really interesting to see how they do it but so far what they've shown they've only shown us mainly like the grassland area like at the beginning um but what they've shown is really impressive and yeah it does seem like it's like um like uh different areas but, but they're super big they'll be like because they've got these like um uh, Assassin's Creed type watchtowers to unlock the map and uh, stuff like that and I also had like there's different chocobos that can like flying chocobos and stuff but some chocobos you can only use in certain areas and same for like the buggy and uh, other um, traversal methods like you can only use it in that specific uh, open world area and there's like a few different massive open world areas like the grassland area in the game but they're all like chained together i guess uh with all the towns and dungeons yeah so that'll be cool to play oh yeah so uh you're looking forward to that one for next year and yeah that one will be out in february uh february 29th uh 2024 yeah i'm there day one. Oh yeah nice <laughs> yeah it's, it's square enix will, will will hit me back up i'll be there before day one. Oh, okay <laughs> yeah you got the hook <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't I have the hookup. Uh, I don't okay. know. For some reason, I, I like we we went to PAX West and came across some Square Enix members, but like they they've been like one of the the companies that I want to work with the most. It's been like the most elusive. Like oh, okay. it, it's it's like a it's like a dream at this point yeah, to work yeah. with Square Enix. Like, oh yeah, I'm sure you guys can do it. Yeah, I think you on the team are like probably the biggest uh, Square Enix fan. So yeah, I think if you push push in that direction you'll definitely get that well, apparently a, one of the community managers follows me on twitter so oh okay that's nice yeah that's good yeah i think the square enix they want to broaden their audience so like yeah they they want uh xbox creators to come on board as well because traditionally there's not that many that i know of i know like miles he's a big one and uh, maybe so matty plays he likes um japanese like rpgs and stuff but yeah, it's hard to find um like big audience but i think that's yeah, really you guys... the only xbox content creators i know that play chat <laughs> oh, yeah, quite a rare bunch yeah so yeah if you jump on that then i'm sure like square enix will be uh happy to uh assist you guys and grow their audience as well to more xbox uh, players out there 
using like the Iron Lords podcast. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome if like you could uh, push that as well in it, uh, with the Xbox oh the Iron Lords podcast audience, which is quite big. So yeah, that's that'd be cool. Yeah, definitely go for it. That'd be awesome. Uh, okay, so let's move on to story number two, which was the Xbox at uh, Tokyo Game Show. So I'll just go through uh, some of the main points we got from the um, Xbox uh, broadcast at the Tokyo Game Show this year. And yeah, this was from the xboxwire.com. And uh, yeah, a few of the main announcements we got was um, Elder Scrolls Online being or localized into Japanese. Um, so yeah, that was a big announcement that they had for the Japanese audience, which is um, localizing the Elder Scrolls Online for Japan. Um, other announcements we got was uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Trilogy now coming to Xbox Game Pass on September 26th it came and then uh, we also are gonna get Apollo Justice Ace Attorney Trilogy coming later on on Xbox. Uh, other announcements we got were Eoden Chronicles 100 Heroes that's coming to Xbox Game Pass on April 23rd 2024 and we also got an announcement for Exoprimal which showed some new skins and new DLC and uh, we got the new Chun-Li skin which will be coming with Exoprimal Season 2 which arrives on October 18th. Uh, we also got a trailer for Infinity Stress Dragon Quest The Adventures of Dai and we also got one of the bigger news which was the Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name and Like a Dragon Ishin both coming to Xbox Game Pass and yeah, Like a Dragon, the man who raised his name will come to Xbox Game Pass on release day, which is November 9th. And then one of the biggest announcements for me was uh, Octopath Traveler 2 will finally be coming to Xbox platforms in early 2024. So that was a cool announcement. And uh, I think finally we also got the new Swery and Suda51 game, which was Hotel Barcelona. And that will be coming to Xbox Series X and S in 2024. So, um, Lord Addict, I know you live streamed the uh, Tokyo Game Show Xbox broadcast. Uh, yeah, what were your like overall thoughts? And um, were there any uh, standout announcements out of those for you? I think obviously Octopath Traveler 2, that was very important to me. Uh, I think I said multiple times, you know, the minimum I expect there is an Octopath Traveler 2 the maximum is a is a remake uh, announcement uh, but obviously we didn't get the remake announcement and i do think that's going to happen eventually just not right now mm, me too um, you know i'm to me i don't know how you feel mm -hmm. uh, i felt like that octopus traveler 2 trailer seemed like like it was it was put together fast because you know it, it it didn't seem like the standard way you would reveal something it kind of felt like more like of a last moment thing they didn't have a release date of any side of any kind they didn't really have anything uh dedicating it because that that's where i feel like that game might come to game pass uh because you know when it comes to like a dragon games you know those those have been announced on the platform for a while now and they're they're coming to game pass and you know even if it costs microsoft a little bit of money i think every time they miss out on a game that's not on the platform if when it comes, it gotta come to Game Pass, you know, because you gotta make it up to your fan base, <laughs> and it's just like you know, you 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 missed out on that off the Traveler too. And I know like you and Jazz had your back and forth on like 
you know, the relationship between Microsoft and Xbox, uh, not Microsoft and Xbox, Xbox and Square Enix. And Square yeah. Enix. So I, I don't know what that is because I'm not like, I don't have any like insight behind that. But regardless what their relationship is, it's none of the, the gamers fault. It's not our fault. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you know, and to me, if we have to wait a year to to, to play games like Opera Traveler 2, Microsoft need to back the truck up and make sure it's on Game Pass. It's like, as an apology to myself. <laughs> like, because it's just like, you're going to make me lose out. I It better be yeah. on the service that you really be capping for. Because yeah. it's like, you need to make up, up that for. That's why I feel like the fact that we didn't really see any release date or anything for that matter. If you go look at the trailer itself, that's not a trailer you would normally see announcing a game on so that's why i feel like maybe it was thrown together at the last minute maybe it wasn't supposed to be there Mm -hmm. um i actually felt like that they should have ended the the conference with that because i felt like that was the biggest part of the show and you know i I think it's good man you know we're we're finally seeing final fantasy 14 that's coming Mm -hmm. now we're seeing octopi travel too so clearly microsoft's Mm -hmm. doing something but it's just like to me again even though we don't know the relationship and what happened between the two entities. If you miss our platform, I do feel like someone over there, either on Square Enix side or on Xbox side, they need they need to negotiate. It's like, what you gonna do for us that you made us wait? Because it's like because <laughs> Make up you expect time. us Yeah, you, you expect us to buy a game that's been on other platforms for a year. Cause at that point and, and you know what? Gaming streets move fast and quick mm-hmm. because what was what um, we just had Boulder's Gate three, then we had Starfield, then we had you know Cyberpunk the expansion, then Assassin's Creed Mirage. A year in gaming terms might as well be a decade in real life. <laughs> it, it, yeah. it is to me something's got to give on that, and, and then there's the. The, the fear I have where, if, you know, we'll get companies like Square Enix, Capcom, Konami, you know, um, mm-hmm. Sega. Will they start holding their games back intentionally because they know the Game Pass bag is going to be there? Uh, so they, there's that to be concerned about. And I know people think something like that would happen. They know they will make more money off of a Game Pass bag than they will selling the game on the platform. Don't get it twisted. I think that's definitely a possibility. But at the same time... It's like where where does one start and one end, and it's I feel like that's the biggest thing that we need to like. TGS showed me a lot of good of good vibes going on there, and I saw a lot of things that's interesting. Uh, you know, Inner Chronicle Hundred Heroes, phenomenal game. I think that's going to do very well. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what I want to ask you as like a Japanese gamer is like when you see stuff like. Elder Scrolls Online, Fallout 76, and even Starfield to a degree. Do you think being, you know, watching this from that corner of the world, do you think that helps the audience in that end? Or do you think it's like one of those things where there are going to be some, you know, gamers uh, around that area? Because obviously this is more than just Japan. They're they're kind of streaming that for that whole region. Mm -hmm. Do you think they even care about those type of games? Or do you think... That there are people over there that will jump on uh, Dragon, uh, not Dragon Quest, um, you know, Elder Scrolls Online, Fallout 76. Because to me, it's like I feel like they're trying to advertise 
to an audience that may not be there, but I'm not over there. So that's why like, I really like to have this open dialogue with someone that can give me a different perspective than someone over here that's in the States that is ignorant to stuff going on over there. Oh yeah, um, I think with uh, the Elder Scrolls Online, I think it's um, kind of marketing to the audience that they already have, which is like the fan of the Western games uh, on Xbox. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure how much it broadens the audience, to be honest, because um, I know um, Skyrim was super popular in Japan, like Skyrim was like crazy uh, popular in Japan, but uh, the other games, they're like not as, they weren't as popular as Skyrim was uh, back in the day in Japan. So um, with the Elder Scrolls Online, um, I think it does have an audience in Japan, but I'm not sure how big it is. Uh, to be honest, yeah, so um, I think it will help um, gather those fans, like more fans of like the Western type um, RPG games, because there are uh, quite a few of those fans, but in terms of like um, like mass mass appeal, I don't think, yeah, I think you need more like uh, Japan like specific games. Because to me, doing what they did with that, and I know those are big audiences, and they probably do have, you know, people it, it play those in japan and stuff but to me it's like it's a cool thing to come on over here at e3 and showing nothing but final fantasy octopath traveler 2 like to me that's not the audience here now there are people that play those games here but the vast majority of they want to see the cyberpunks the witchers because those usually gravitate towards more of a western market and that's why like when i see the fallout 76 and the elder scrolls online i'm just like there's probably an audience there, but is that something you should bring to an event like that? And I think that was a misstep to me. Yeah, I, th I think it was good that they are trying to localize more of their Western games because most of the content is Western. So that's a good site. But yeah, in terms of they need more games that, uh, you know, meet the, the, the tastes of the audience in, uh, in Japan or in the Asia as well. Yeah. I would agree with that. So overall, you um, the broadcast, yeah, you enjoyed it. No, it was it was it was phenomenal. Yeah, I, I liked it. Uh, you know, it, like I said, I'm very big on what they open and end with, and I don't think they really hit mark with either. Mm, yeah. Um, so maybe you just change up the order a bit. Just a little bit. I think that Octopus Traveler Two would have ended it because that that's a game that everyone's been crying for. Now the hotel game, I don't know. A whole lot about the background so maybe that was big around that area but like to me as like a japanese uh play games fan in the in the states i stay up to five o'clock the morning and it's just like you could have ended it i feel on a better tone because that's that's what a lot of people that one more thing you know and it's like i personally felt like that could have been something different yeah, I think in terms of the names, it had that like uh, impact in terms of like Swery and Suda Fifty One. But in terms of what the actual game was, which kind of looked more like a like a smaller uh, like smaller budget like indie kind of game, uh, it wasn't like that. It didn't have that big punch that your like you know your big franchises have. So yeah, in terms of that, I thought yeah, it could have um, they could have maybe spent a bit less time on it or like they spent a lot of time on it too. Now that you mention it, yeah, they spent like like ten minutes or talking about it or something like that. Yeah, so it was a big part of the broadcast. So, but yeah, maybe yeah, if Octopath Two yeah was at the end or something big like that, that would have been cool for me. Yeah, 
because I, I did think they spent a bit too long um like with like interviewing developers and showing that game i think they could have presented it a bit better yeah but it had lots of good content that's all we got is critiques mm-hmm. yeah just how they can improve for the next year that's all but yeah it seems like every year they're they're doing stuff in japan which is cool and like they're attending tgs every year so phil and sarah are coming over every year and like they're really showing their commitment to japan and uh, to the japanese developer development uh gaming scene as well so uh that's what i like to see uh, which is really encouraging for me as well yeah so yeah overall i thought it was a decent show like i was i was expecting like some more big hitters maybe like some final fantasy 7 remake as you said or yeah i never expected rebirth but i kind of expected remake yeah no no way rebirth yeah but yeah maybe re- remake for sure uh i was expecting and maybe like because xbox have a few games they have they're working on or like um we saw there was a few tango gameworks games out there working on like the rumors were like um um the tokyo ghostwire tokyo sequel and stuff like that i thought they could have showed what they were working on in terms of the first party as well but you think they're working on the evil within three too uh, i have no idea <laughs> yeah because okay. was that in the leak as well because uh, no they, that uh, wasn't in the leak oh, okay but, <laughs> but are they hinting at it a lot right recently? well the reason i think they the because the johns doesn't have the majority of the studio he's another team mm-hmm. like the the people that made like ghost Rider tokyo like maybe they go towards a sequel i don't know because here's the thing like when that list was made I'm curious if stuff was pivoted from because stuff gets canceled all the time. Stuff yeah, gets restructured. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would say some of those are guaranteed. Like I think the, uh, you know, the the Morrowind remake, and the I think it was Morrowind Oblivion remake, and the Fallout Three remake or remasters that uh, they use that terminology. I think those are pretty accurate because I've heard rumors about those. But you know, go um, you know when it comes to you know Ghostwire Tokyo uh that's like one of the only ones that could have pivoted and so and also Dishonored 3 I think that could have pivoted as well just depends on what happens because stuff gets stuff Mm -hmm. massively changes all the time I've heard about some crazy games and I won't go into them uh live like this well not live but pre-recorded but I've been told about some of the craziest games you ever think that there's been a game that I was told that got almost done with final production and got cancelled oh damn oh yeah that's messed up yeah that happens a lot recently it happened with that Sega game right the um what was it Hyenas yeah, yeah I played that, that. oh you, you played it you played yeah. it oh, I, I, I can't oh. go into details about oh. anything but I did play that game yeah but yeah that, that was really unfortunate but yeah that does happen games in the gaming industry games get cancelled a lot like uh, and most of the time we don't hear about it because it's under NDA but it happens like really a lot in the games industry. Games getting cancelled all the time, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's go into the next part, uh, which is story number three, which is um, I just wanted to report on some of the events I went, uh, the Xbox events in uh, Tokyo. Yep, so I attended the Xbox TGS broadcast watch party, which was held in Tokyo and uh, for that event uh, we got like a few content creators um, based in japan together uh, to watch the xbox broadcast together with phil spencer and sarah bond and then afterwards we could uh, take a picture and uh, talk to them for a bit um so that was really cool and yeah so um yeah phil and 
Sarah came to the show and yeah, they had this nice couch in front of everyone and everyone was, was seated behind them. There was about uh, 30 or 40 people uh, at the event. And then we all watched the, um, the TGS live stream together, which was really cool. I could see uh, the audience reaction and Phil, and Phil and Sarah's reaction to the show. And yeah, I thought it was a nice opportunity for them to greet um, the different content creators in Japan and uh, yeah, meet their fans a lot, which they did a lot during this Japan trip. And um, yeah, um, I thought the show was really cool. And uh, they did like a talk show as well, where they answered some questions and they talked about how like uh, Japan is like uh, Sarah Bond said, it's her favorite trip of the year to go to Tokyo and to, to go to Japan and visit all the Japanese creators and uh, developers and yeah she was really happy to be at the show and yeah same with Phil and there was also um, the Elder Scrolls Online creative director Rick Lambert was also there um, to talk about the Elder Scrolls Online localization in Japan so yeah all together it was like a really cool event and um, afterwards I got to talk to uh, Phil and Sarah um, together at the show and um, yeah I asked them about um, Square Enix like I asked them about um, how long it took for the announcement for Final Fantasy 14 uh, to come to Xbox and um, oh yeah as you mentioned before like recently I was uh, like with Jez Corden I, I think we we're cool now because uh, he unblocked me recently which is cool <laughs> uh, but he blocked me because I was like um, I disagreed with his article saying that there was a functionally wrong relationship between Microsoft and Square Enix so yeah I wanted to ask Phil about that a bit so like I asked him if um, how long did they prepare that Final Fantasy 14 event before he was uh, invited to go on and they said like they were preparing that months and months in advance and he's been talking to Yoshi P for like five years he said or like a long time years and years uh, to get Final Fantasy 14 onto uh, Xbox and uh, Sarah Bond said they've been working at it for a while but she also said that the new Square Enix president uh, Kiryu-san uh, he's also much more enthusiastic about putting games on Xbox um, so I guess he's much more enthusiastic compared to the last um, CEO so that also helps with getting the Xbox game uh, Square Enix games onto Xbox so yeah that was um, uh, cool information and so yeah there's reports about like the functionally wrong relationship like maybe like the functionally wrong issue was like maybe Square Enix like waiting for like a kind of deal like a Game Pass deal before they would put their games onto Xbox or something like that and maybe that's changed but in terms of uh like something being like like a problem or like some beef i think i don't think there was that kind of situation i think it was more like just business reasons why they didn't put more games onto xbox and uh they and during that time they were always talking like um if was always talking with yoshi p to get final fantasy 14 onto xbox and they were uh planned to him to be at the fan fest like months and months in advance so i don't think there was kind of any like beef before uh yeah so what did you think what do you think about those uh, like square enix and xbox that functionally wrong relationship story here's the thing you know uh jess is definitely uh i don't know you know so sometimes he makes decisions i don't agree with and you know blocking you over disagreement that that's one of the decisions uh but i wouldn't go 100% to write him off either in terms of, of his opinion on the piece because there's been a lot of times where 
Jez will say something, and everyone in the industry disagrees. And then a couple years later, it turns out Jez was right the whole time. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm not saying that he knows everything going on over there, but I have been told myself that maybe there wasn't bad blood, but there there was like back and forth and negotiations that just didn't go right, and there was no mm -hmm. more negotiation because I do think in some way, shape, or form. There was something with the the previous uh you know ceo that stepped down because it isn't it isn't to me a coincidence when he he's replaced and his predecessor uh you know uh, and the successor automatically you know okay we're gonna put 14 on xbox we're gonna you know put octopath traveler 2 on xbox because we've had about a year and a half to two years of these games just missing xbox mm -hmm. so you know i don't know maybe that's a coincidence but i would say between you and jez i would say Probably the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Yeah, that's fair to say. I think, yeah. I think, yeah, there was awfully, uh, like, obviously some kind of issues. But I think it was more, like, business related, as you said. Like, maybe some negotiations or, like, Square Enix waiting for, like, a Game Pass deal or something like that. Yeah, I, I just, like, disagreed with there was some kind of, like, uh, beef or, like, you know, kind of, like, hatred or something like that. Hey, it, it, so, sometimes, though, we know, man, humans, uh, we, 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 we tend to... You know, be emotional sometimes. It could have been on both sides, or you know, some negotiations went. And so, uh, yeah. you know, ego is a big thing. <laughs> and sometimes it's like, oh, okay, Xbox won't play ball. You know, we ain't playing ball then at all. We gonna take our ball and go home. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we we see it in the industry that you know, uh, not necessarily holding grudges, but it's just like sometimes when people, especially culturally differences too mm -hmm. between you know, an American company, Japanese company, I would say, uh, well, these people are businessmen. They, business women too, obviously, Sarah Bond. They, they're constantly working with people in different cultures. But at the end of the day, like, he, Phil and Sarah weren't raised in Japan. And he wasn't raised in America. So I do think even to the core, there's probably a little friction off the, off the bat. So, you know, because you know, I've been told by, like, a lot of people, like, when it, when it comes to, uh, you know, you know, Japanese people in general, and maybe you could speak on that, you know, very proud individuals. And, you know, sometimes if, depending on how like negotiations went with, you know, we as Americans, I got no problem going back to the table, but it does seem like maybe it was like one of those things where it's like, you know, we talked multiple times, filling them didn't see eye to eye. I don't see the point in us continuing this talk, uh, you know, and then maybe the, predecessor i mean the successor you know since it's a new person he was willing to have a conversation because he wasn't what there in the previous ones it's like i said like people don't realize how hard this this console manufacturing thing is like it's like i said like not only do you have to deal with people in your own country you have to deal with you know corporations in other countries and mm. you know cultural differences is by far the craziest things that would set everyone apart yeah that's true yeah there's a cultural barrier that yeah it has been a, a big xbox issue because like they don't have that much that many uh, xbox stuff in japan so there's there are a lot of cultural friction uh issues that can arise and not to mention like you know xbox isn't the black sheep of the industry but i would say it's closer to the black sheep than a lot of other people it's it's arguably the only console manufacturer that's not based in japan in what some way shape or form uh, so you know when it comes to all you know capcom square enix you know sega konami technical like they're all talking to each other on the consistency they're all from the same culture but then when you have 
Xbox, the outsider coming in, I would assume like, you know, there would be like some form of a mental barrier that Xbox has to work through. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There, Yeah, I think there are some. So maybe like Jez heard something about that kind of relationship issues and stuff like that. My thing was just like, because like Bill Spencer and Square Enix, they've been talking for like a long time to get Final Fantasy 14 onto Xbox. So like, that's why I thought, oh, and like, yeah, I think the biggest thing is like, when did that conversation end and what led to that conversation ending and what led to it picking back up? I think those are the missing variables that would lead to what truly happened. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. But yeah, but Phil did tell me like that thing did get decided like months and months in advance of before, like he didn't just fly over to Las Vegas and show up at the FanFest. You know, because uh, I think behind the scenes, like these kind of deals, like to get games onto your platform, they take months, if not years, to do. Yeah, it takes yeah, a while. The, the only thing I was told is like games and Game Pass that can lead up to a, like a like a couple weeks before the game comes out. Like, oh, really? There's mm. a, yeah, I I don't know how true it is, and you someone I'm sure can f fact check me. But the Outriders was a last minute thing. Oh, okay. That Outriders deal that came to yeah, Game yeah. Pass, like stuff like that can happen relatively you know around launch that's true yeah that yeah probably yeah, if it's already like planned for the platform they could probably just do a deal to chuck it into game pass pretty quick i imagine that makes sense but uh yeah between me and jez it's cool uh i think he he unblocked me now so uh, he's a good dude fine. yeah it's fine <laughs> it's all cool yeah I, I actually planned on hitting him up today or tomorrow about that whole fiasco <laughs> oh, okay yeah, yeah. No, because now he says he's got new sources and like his new sources are telling him that the outlook is a lot more positive. So that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Plus, you know, when it, me and him disagreed with, you know, the, the Halo Infinite Engine stuff and he was very adamant that he's like, you know, this is how it's going and I think everyone's wrong. But I knew the source that I know mm -hmm. was telling me different. And it turned out that our source was right and jazz was wrong oh okay yeah i think it's a similar situation here because like i talked to some people in japan and they told me like no there's not really a beef like kind of issue like that it's more of like they told me it was like more of square enix and playstation's relationship is super tight and that's the issue like um like getting in, in between that is difficult they like they have their deals they're like super chummy chummy like uh, square enix and um playstation so that's more of the issue they didn't they didn't really think it was like some kind of uh mm -hmm. like host hostility or like kind of uh beef or anything like that uh which was yeah which was what i heard so that's why like i kind of disagreed with the his thing so much but uh, i think yeah as you said it's kind of in between there are probably like some uh issues so it's somewhere falls in between probably at the end of the day but yeah uh, it's all good now so yeah that's cool and yeah thanks jez for unblocking me <laughs> But yeah, it'd be cool if you uh, could talk to him as well uh, on uh, like about that kind of stuff as well. That'd be that'd be awesome. Uh, yeah. So moving on to um, the Xbox X uh, cross IGN Japan fan meet and greet. So like two days after that, they had a fan meet and greet uh, with um, Japanese fans, and I also was able to attend that. Like you could sign up for it like um, through IGN, and then like, the first few people that could uh, sign up could attend. And then at that fan meetup, Sarah Bond and uh, Phil Spencer gave a talk. And you can watch that on the IGN Japan website. They answered questions from the fans. And Sarah Bond said she was happy 
that more people are asking for indies to come to the platform um, I think she was like usually used to people asking for like the big Final Fantasies and Personas coming but now she's said she's getting people Japanese fans asking for more smaller games as well to come to the platform which is a good sign for her I also got the chance to meet uh, Phil and Sarah Bond there again and uh, this time oh I got to speak to Phil Spencer once again and he said he actually recognized my Twitter profile picture which was cool the, the uh, red, the red, red uh, yeah. red 13 red 13 not 14 he recognized my Twitter profile I was like oh okay so he know kind of knows who I am I probably sees like my tweets popping up on his timeline I mean you got like 18,000 followers on Twitter now you you coming up like <laughs> oh yeah it showed up a lot this last year so <laughs> that's probably why and I did ask him like I asked him a question I asked him do you plan on getting any more studios in Japan or are you just planning on like uh, strengthening your third-party relationships and yeah so he said that yeah he wants to expand not only the studios they already have there like uh, Tango Gameworks and stuff he wants to expand them uh, but he said he's also wants to do more than that so he's I guess he's also looking to maybe acquire some more studios or start more studios uh, in Japan so I think expanding in Japan is definitely something that Phil said he was interested in doing so that was really interesting to hear from that. Yeah, I, I feel like naturally that is the direction they need to go. Because it's like, you know, you could you can make all the third-party deals, all the Game Pass deals, but until you have games that's only on your platform for that demographic, you know, that's always going to be truly like an arm's length. Like, And plus, you know, you know as, as, as a Japanese gamer, do, do you think that you would have more faith in the ecosystem if they started putting more money into the ecosystem because obviously if they're making that type of game they're going to be generating money in that economy because they're going to be hiring studios to make the games kind of like Mistwalker when they did lost odyssey in them like do you think mm -hmm. that uh you would actually you know vibe with that more if if they had more exclusive because i know people don't think the exclusive thing matters but i i think it matters because it's like look look what kind of Damage not having the the Final Fantasy 7 remake games on Xbox. It's 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 been crazy damage to the Xbox. So like to me, a good way of correcting that, even if you don't go out and you do something crazy, like hit up Mistwalker and say, "Yo, would you give us your blessing if we had Lost Odyssey remade?" Mm -hmm. Like just something that small, I think would go a long way. But being you for uh you know from uh you know from Japan, would you like? Uh, a direction like that would you like them making like a lost odyssey remake yeah that would be awesome i would i would really like love that uh like if they could start making like uh their own ip games uh like games like lost odyssey or i know they didn't sell well in japan um those original um xbox exclusives um they sold okay but it wasn't like super gangbusters but i think just showing that commitment to the um to the market is a really important sign and not to mention like you know i don't live in japan but i would say the the presence of xbox isn't that great out there so it's just like why would the japanese market you know go out and buy an xbox for the for lost odyssey when it's like we don't know if you guys are going to even care about this market in six in six mm -hmm. months to a year yeah because it's like I, I would say you know we've never really had that issue in the states because 
Microsoft kind of builds their infrastructure around the, the states, but it's just I can understand being the perspective of someone from another country that Microsoft is trying to infiltrate, and it's like, but you never really a hundred percent show me you care about my region, like yeah, yeah, as you said. I mean, just now you're getting the um, what's that game called? Uh, we were just talking about Age of Empire, not Age of Empire. Elder Scrolls um, Online. Elder Scrolls is getting localized over there, and that game's been out for like a decade. It feels like, like yeah, yeah, it's been out for a while. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think they need to commit to Japan. Like, I think the problem with before, like during the 360 eras, they were actually doing really well and building up quite a good momentum in Japan. But then the problem was like, I think once Phil Moore left, then the direction of Xbox kind of changed and they kind of cut off Japan and they kind of bailed out of Japan, uh, in my opinion. And uh, I think that affected like the market and the fans like... Um, I think one thing that's really important is like trust and like respect and for Japanese companies so like they want to they want to see that you have that commitment to the market and I think that yeah the Xbox are building that up again but yeah they definitely need to to show that commitment that they're not going to like bail out like uh, like they did in the 360 days they need to show that commitment again and they they're building up again they kind of had to reset things because they kind of bailed out before but um, they're building up again now which is good to see and yeah I think the Japanese audience want to see that commitment to the audience um, like making uh, first party games and uh, staying uh, committed to the market for a long time because yeah, it seemed like they were actually more committed to the racing community than they was the Japanese market for a while so it's just like you know you, you, you gotta commit you, you gotta spend money and you know, I feel like the Game Pass thing works. It does. But I don't think that's going to... I, I think cloud infrastructure will help. Because I, to my knowledge, a lot of Japanese gamers play on mobile. Uh, so I don't know if that's true. Because it's like I said, I've never talked to anyone mm -hmm. from Japan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, they play on mobile, but not cloud at the moment. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I feel like, you know, maybe that is one of the, the markets that they're trying to build up. Because mm -hmm. they're expecting the Switch. I don't know. Uh, and, it, and it's just like one of those things I think they're trying to be more mobile in some way, shape, or form. So it's just like, you know, but at the end of the day, even if the Japanese market was playing stuff from xCloud to mobile, what games? Like, I, I get it. There's Game Pass, but guess what? Every, everyone else has that over there. So it's just like you're going to have to do something to separate you from the competition. And keep in mind, it's more than just competition. To my, to, to, to what I would understand is not only do you have to, to, to fight your competition, you have to fight your competition in territory that probably won't be receptive towards your brand. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a tough, yeah, it's a tough battle for Xbox. Yeah, because PlayStation and Nintendo are on like home turf. So yeah, it's a tough battle to fight. But yeah, I think they can do it if they just invest and uh, keep that investment consistent over a long time. Then yeah, I think they can get a foothold in Japan for sure if they keep doing that. But yeah, as you said, yeah, they need to, something to differentiate themselves and they need the commitment over like a period of time. Um, but yeah, it was cool. Like Aaron Greenberg was at the fan fan event as well. I've met him a couple of times. He's I like him. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get to meet him, but he was like hanging around at the back. Um, yeah, he seems like a cool guy. And also there was um, Jeremy Hinton, who is the uh, lead of a Xbox Asia. Yeah, he was also there as well. 
and I got to say hi to him and yeah he was a really cool guy yeah so I can see like yeah they are focused on Japan like the whole team was here and yeah they are more focused than what they have been in like the last uh, five years uh, which is good to see and they're making progress yeah and, and what, as you said yeah that's what I like to see they're making investment in the market and yes yeah, like spending money here and investing in third parties and like building up their own studios yeah that's what I'd like to see from Xbox in Japan overall okay so story number four is uh we got news that xbox players can expect a japanese triple a exclusive in the future from phil spencer phil spencer was asked if xbox would eventually get a uniquely tri japanese triple a title such as lost odyssey or blue dragon instead of just getting xbox versions of japanese games also on playstation or switch and uh, when asked if it was difficult for xbox to meet xbox to meet these expectations phil spencer replied not at all i think you can expect that uh, he continued in fact we released hi-fi rush in january 2023 it may not have been a major title like blue dragon but it was certainly high quality there are also japanese game creators who are part of microsoft game studios and while there are titles we can't and we can't announce yet we are currently developing new games in collaboration with japanese companies we will further grow including first and third party and believe you can look forward to the arrival of even more japanese titles in the future it seems that xbox have a xbox game studio first party published japanese game in the works with an unannounced publisher and unannounced game uh, what do you make of that news uh, lord addict i think it it makes sense you know they, they've been very more present in terms of content and you know something like game pass they could survive off of what they're just doing off of game pass but the biggest thing is they need diversity in game pass they need multiple genres and you know right now i would say they're definitely lacking in that genre uh you know they are getting games in game pass but the thing is is they don't feel comfortable unless they own the titles that's going in Game Pass. And if at any time, Sega, Square Enix, Capcom, they could just say, we're not doing that, or they can make their own service. So it's just like they have to prepare for a future where these companies won't put their games on Game Pass. And, and in order to prepare for that kind of future, you have to build exclusives for Game Pass and Xbox. Yeah, I was quite encouraged to see that they're uh, doing the third, like first party exclusives again, because there was a while where they stopped doing that. And you know, we got the Kojima one, which is like the first one in a long time, like a Japanese Xbox uh, first party, like a uh, exclusive made by a third party publisher. Um, yeah, now we're getting um, another one unannounced. So yeah, they currently have two third party uh, developed first party like Xbox game studio games. So that's encouraging that they're like going back to those 360 days with the Lost Odysseys and Blue Dragons and they're trying to like uh, invest in games more. So yeah, I was really happy about that. And yeah, as you say, yeah, they need content for Game Pass as well, which is, uh, which you can expect those games will be in part of Game Pass as well. Uh, okay, so uh, let's move on to story number five. Um, we got a small uh, oral history of uh, Hi-Fi Rush uh, from the Xbox website. Um, the game director, uh, John Johannes, said, I think... Yeah, I actually interviewed him. Oh, you did? Oh, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, he was on your show, right? On the Iron Lords. That was cool. Yeah, and he said, I think that makes us better as developers because as we get to try new things... Um, so, yeah, I think he was uh, very, like, excited that the Tango Gameworks are trying new things, like, not just horror games, uh, which was really cool. And then the... Uh, 
we also got the lead programmer Yuji Nakamura who said uh, we can challenge ourselves to make something new that is not what the older themes of tango used to be it seems like they're uh, happy that they can make new kinds of games and uh, we can expect more kind of different games not just horror games from tango gameworks uh what did you think of uh like uh, the kind of games we can expect from tango gameworks in the future i have no idea <laughs> i'm gonna be real because they went from high uh from you know the evil within ghostwire tokyo to hi-fi rush and i loved hi-fi rush it was a great game you know uh i feel like you can make the same game over and over again and if you're really good at it that shows you're a good studio. But if you can make different genres and succeed in different genres, that shows a great studio. You know, there's very few studios that's actually done that. You know, Guerrilla Games, I would say, is one of them because they went from, like, Killzone to Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm pretty sure that was Guerrilla. Uh, there's been a couple studios that just went away from what made them them and just tried something completely new and just hit it out of the park. And even Hi-Fi Rush was, like, on the smaller end of, you know, a scale-wise, like... It was it was screaming quality. Yeah, it was so and good. when we interviewed him, he said that you know he didn't necessarily have to fight for Hi-Fi Rush, but a lot of you know the vets that was working for um, that was working for Tangle at the time was kind of like put over there against their will a little bit, and he had to convince them that this game was worth putting their time into. Because keep in mind, like Hi-Fi Rush is definitely a game like you know visually that i could see a, a japanese company making but not the concepts of it like it's uh you know and, and some of that stuff i i don't know if like some of the music and stuff i don't know if like you know japanese citizens and people listen to that type of music but mm -hmm. you know we do to a point on, on over at us so it's like he seemed like he it was it was a fight throughout the whole thing but a fight he slowly went like they started really like vibing with the game uh there was a couple things that he had to like relinquish control over but it seemed like you know everything came down exactly how he planned and he really enjoyed the game and him and his uh studio you know they got praised for that him and his team they did a fantastic job with that game yeah i agree with that yeah the game is super amazing especially like the visuals and the art style like it's super impressive and yeah it's quite it's a really fun game to play and yeah i was like super happy that they could make such a like original looking game and yeah credit to uh john johannes he's a yeah super cool he seemed like super cool when you guys interviewed him and i watched him on some other interviews as well yeah he seems like a cool guy and yeah i like the direction that um tango gameworks are going in and that's really cool uh they also got like a new new boss um because uh, shinji makame left right and they got a new boss and i think he's also from um, bethesda um he's like an uh western like american guy um so that's quite interesting to see how that like uh, how that would develop uh seeing you know someone that's more of a western to take over a japanese studio uh like does that frustrate you do you think that might take some of like the origins out of the studio or do you think that might be good for like a different direction um yeah it was not, i would prefer a japanese uh guy was taking over just uh because like it's a japanese studio and probably most of the staff are japanese 
Um, but I think John's I the only white dude there. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. He might. There might be more, but we didn't just directly ask him that. So yeah, I think I've seen some pictures, and there was a, like maybe one or two more. But yeah, it does seem like most of the staff are Japanese, and of course the founder was uh, Shinji Mikami. He's like super famous uh, developer. Um, so I'm kind of worried, like, um, how was that transition, and also like, um, like, like uh, Yon Johannes's team is like they're they made Tango, I mean, they made Hi-Fi Rush, but that was like a smaller project. And like their main projects are like Ghostwire Tokyo or the uh, Evil Within or something. Uh, like, So I'm won- wondering like what the dynamics are with like the other teams that are probably bigger teams, but they're not getting as much attention as Hi-Fi Rush. And like, yeah. Well, th- th- if anything, that should push them. It's like, okay, you guys like Hi-Fi Rush. We about to blow your mind with what we make. Mm-hmm. You know, they they supposed to be the A team for a reason. You know, a good example of that is from software. You know, uh, for the longest time, Sekiro was was consuming all of from uh, from software's attention. But the moment the A team dropped Elden Ring, it was a wrap. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I hope it's a, a dynamic that like that because uh, um, yeah, I do worry like. Uh, you know all these uh americans taking over like the japanese studio i hope it doesn't become too western focused as a studio they still have that japanese taste um of things um i hope that doesn't get removed but at the moment it seems okay because it's just like yeah as you said like john johannes is like uh there's not that many other westerners working there but yeah and plus you know I'm American and I would feel away, and I I feel away, and I'm an American, so I can't imagine what a Japanese person would feel. It's like <laughs> man, like we, we, and I, obviously it's not like directly, but it's like man, moment Microsoft takes over, white dude taking over, like, so, <laughs> yeah. so it's just like hopefully he'll do good, you know. Yeah, yeah. The good, the best thing is if he listens, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it's just like you know you can't go in there. Uh, I'm assuming there'll be a little bit of cultural differences. I hope to God he can speak Japanese. I don't think so. Because I think he's straight from oh, God, Bethesda. Man. I mean, he's from. Well, may- maybe, maybe though he, he had some experience in Japan before. Is is he actually moving over there? Or is he yeah, just like he got? He got um, I'm not sure. Um, I think he was working in um, the Western side before, and then he got transferred to be the uh, head of um, Tango. Yeah, that's not a good look. <laughs> but it's maybe not. he has like some experience living in Japan, or you know something like that. i hope so <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I hope i hope he he can I, I, it's just if he can't speak japanese it's just like you know see if yeah, i because the the the, the, the iron lords you know this is a little bit of, uh exclusive like we're looking into going to tgs next year oh awesome so it's just like you know when we go there we're not expected to learn japanese you know? <laughs> but it's just like if you live and work over there i would be offended it, it i would be outraged if i had to work with someone that didn't even not only didn't know the language i spoke but didn't care to even learn it yeah but yeah hopefully he knows a bit about the culture and stuff hopefully that's why they put him there yeah i would assume he does to some degree Mm because i don't understand why they would move someone over that they didn't at all but yeah i'm definitely looking forward to see what tango gameworks uh, has in the future yeah and yeah if you guys come over yeah definitely say hi uh it'll be good to meet up in real life <laughs> yeah i was uh because we were looking up like hotels and stuff and i was like because i'm a, i'm six foot four like oh, 280 pounds oh, and I, i'm like oh no king like these beds looking mad small yeah you might struggle in some of these hotels you know? yeah well well uh we're friends with jason ronald and he said you know let me let, let me ask around and see if i can get 
get because I'm assuming that Japan has hotels that are built for travelers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it has a lot of they got to. Yeah, it has a lot of hotels. So, yeah, it's just, yeah. It's just if you get like a like a small kind of uh kind of out there place, they might you might struggle. But if you go go one of the big hotels, you should be fine. No problem. But that'd be awesome. You've been to Japan before, or no? No, it'd be my first time. Oh, okay, yeah, that'd be awesome if you could, yeah, make it over. Might have to give us a guide. <laughs> yeah. Might have to show us the town. Oh yeah, I'll I'll, I'll show you all, like the gaming locations, like the popular uh, tourist attractions. <laughs> I can show you that for sure. Uh, okay, so story number six. Um, we got an estimate of like the digital versus physical software ratio in Japan, and it seems like Japan has a strong preference for physical media at the moment. So we've got some details from uh, this thing called the white papers. Like they um, every year they make a book with uh, all the software sales, mainly physical sales. Um, but they also did a survey of like maybe thirty thousand people uh, about like their digital versus physical uh, buying preferences and uh, these were the survey results uh, for ps5 we got 35 percent digital ratio and 65 percent physical for ps4 it was 50 50 between digital and physical and for switch it's only 23 percent digital and 77 percent physical and those were the survey results and overall it was 30 percent digital and 70 uh, percent physical so yeah those were the total results for the japan japanese market and yeah it seems like japan is still one of the more physical heavy uh regions in the world uh, compared to like the us or the uk or europe yeah so those were quite some interesting stats that came out this last week uh yeah do you have any um thoughts on those lord addict um it seems about what i would expect you know uh switch that seemed that would probably be the majority of places the majority of people i know in the states they they, they, they don't have no digital games unless it's like a small indie game oh wow uh, so i would say that's probably pretty nation like worldwide for the most part that that the statistic what's interesting is i would say ps5 in the states is probably flipped like yeah, there's yeah. probably 65 uh digital and 35 uh physical do uh, i i don't know how like the internet infrastructure is out there is it is it a solid internet infrastructure yeah it's quite solid uh most people have uh like yeah high speed internet yeah see what we america sucks oh yeah it, it, it just depends like on patchy. where you live yeah it seems quite patchy. yeah we we, we we like 10, 15 years in the past. I, I've been told everywhere has passed us an internet. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting that you guys probably have majority internet better than us, but we have went more digital than you. Maybe, I don't know, it's the cultural differences. That could be a huge thing too, so. Yeah, I think it's a cultural difference. Maybe like uh, Jap Japanese people, they prefer more like physical items. Um, it seems like you still have DVD rental shops and uh, you can still rent uh, CDs in Japan. So, <laughs> you know, that, that's kind of a sign. Uh, like, Yeah, we don't got that. <laughs> we, we, the closest thing we got is Redbox. Do you guys have anything like, like a Redbox? Do you know what Redbox is? Yeah, yeah. They post out CDs to you, right? Or DVDs? Yeah. Um, no, we don't have that in Japan. Uh, people just go to the shop and rent them. <laughs> That's cool, though. Yeah, I like that, though. You, you guys <laughs> pretty much school. got Blockbuster still over there. Like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but they are slowly... It's slowly transferring, but it's just a lot slower than the West. Um, but yeah, they are slowly closing down the... Uh, like. Uh, but yeah, we still have our like Blockbusters in Japan still <laughs> in 2023 <laughs> but yeah the shop's called sutaya was like where you can rent stuff oh there's quite a few 
um, Japanese stores where you can still rent stuff. You can even rent mangas, which is quite cool, like comic books and stuff. Yeah, so Japan is still like quite a physical, uh, heavy leaning market. Yeah, last story is uh, we just got the, some numbers for the PlayStation Portable. And yeah, Sean Layden in a tweet uh, revealed that the amount of PlayStation Portables shipped during its lifetime was 82.5 million units. And he said, not bad little buddy. Uh, yeah, so we got those uh, numbers in the news this week. Did you ever have a PSP or play PSP? I had like three PSPs. Oh, three of them. <laughs> yeah, I had a PS Vita too. Two oh, of Vita those, too. I think. Yeah, it, I, I love those handheld. The, like I see, I'm not like the the other lords uh, on my podcast. They'll buy anything handheld. Like I only really buy console manufacturers handheld because I know they're gonna support it with some form of games. I remember I, I bought a Vita and I said I was sick, so I didn't have to go to school the next day. And I literally sat in bed and played Final Fantasy Seven, uh, not fi- Seven, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics uh, Lion Wars, or I can't remember the exact name. I played that all morning. That's like my favorite Final Fantasy. Oh, really, wow. is Final Fantasy Tactics. Tactics. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. And, it's, and it's what's funny is it's on that NVIDIA link that happened a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. It, Every three months, I'd be hitting up my industry friends like, yo, you heard anything? You heard anything? You heard anything? I literally just asked yesterday. Like, <laughs> yesterday. Oh, my God. Yeah, hopefully they'll have some news for you this year. So, yeah, it, it's cool. I, I like it. Uh, you know, I think I think the days of Sony in that area truly are gone. I don't think mm. that they... Here's the thing. Like, they can't compete with Nintendo. They just yeah, can't. And, and I, think, I think Sony... If there's anything they, for some reason, I feel like if play if Xbox beats them in certain areas, they're a lot better. But if Nintendo beats them in certain areas, I think that rivalry is more than Xbox. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I feel like they don't see that as being in second place in the handheld market. They see that as being behind Nintendo in the handheld market, and, and I don't think they they about that. So. Yeah, I would love to see a new PlayStation handheld, but yeah, as you said, I think the main issue, they don't have the games, like first-party games to support it, because Nintendo has Pokemon and uh, Animal Crossing and like games that really work well in handheld, uh, but PlayStation yeah, doesn't the, have that's anything. The, that's the problem. Nintendo had studios make games that made sense for, for on the go. Then PlayStation was just like, let's make an Uncharted on the PS. No, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no one cares about that. Like, like when they were working with Square Enix on like Final Fantasy Tactics, do more things like that. And what, what's crazy is like they made that game for the Vita, and then they made Tactics Advance, Tactics Advance Two, all on the on on the the Game Boy. So it's yeah, just yeah. like Square Enix has definitely been passed around throughout the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They like their deals, <laughs> but it's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's cool. It's cool to hear that Tactics is your favorite Final Fantasy. Nah, I love that game. Yeah, I hope they make because yeah, it's in the Nvidia leak, as you said. So yeah, I really hope that. And so was Final Fantasy Nine, and guess what's being Ooh. leaked everywhere right now? Final Fantasy Nine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can expect that soon. I hope we get announcement uh, sometime soon, and yeah, hopefully that Tactics uh, remake comes soon as well. Because yeah, the uh, Nvidia leak hasn't failed us yet. So. Yeah, I think it's a hundred percent accurate. Okay, yeah, so that was the news for today. Uh, thanks so much, uh, Lord Addict. Okay, so to end the show, um, is there anything you've been playing you want to talk about? Well, one of them I can't talk about. Um, mm-hmm. 
I have been playing some Assassin's Creed Mirage as well. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, I've actually been really enjoying that. I went back to uh, what's that game called? It's not Tactics. It, Ogre Tactics. I've been playing a lot more Ogre Tactics. I'm trying to get to the 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 hundred floors of hell, wherever they call them on there, and like I'm like floor eighty three, and I'm oh, just damn. like now the 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 people I'm coming across are just ridiculous. Oh. Like, <laughs> But if you leave, you have to do all of them again. Oh, really? Oh, no. <laughs> so it's just like, I'm not leaving. It's not happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't played that one yet, but uh, yeah, it looks really cool. And yeah, because they did the... Are you playing the, the remake? The re-release? Yeah. They did? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I want to check that one out as well. Yeah, I've just been playing Resident Evil 4 a bit because um, there's a new Separate Ways DLC, so I want to get to that. I need to jump on that. You know what's funny is I, I was gifted that by our podcast member, Saul, because he knew I loved that game. But it's just like so much stuff's been going on. I still haven't had a time to sit down and play it. Like it's just like I feel like yeah, yeah. There's so many games. Right, a little bit after that, then Starfield came out, and I had it cause we got it like two weeks before it came out. Oh, nice. And I know like that game because uh, I wanted to really be knowledgeable on that game when we did our review. Then we went straight from that to another game, to another game, to another game, and and it's just like I am emotionally done with games right now like like it's just <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's so I sat there i get to i'm getting to the point genki i'm getting to the point genki where if i play a game and i'm not recording i feel like i'm robbing myself of content oh my god that's crazy i can't imagine living like that <laughs> you just want to play for fun sometimes right but yeah it's it must be stressful but yeah you got so much um you must get loads of codes and like uh loads of uh reviews to do so you have to like finish the game in time right yeah, and the place where, you know, I'm on this new thing where, I, you know, IOP, one of the pillars we built the podcast on was helping indies. Oh, nice. Helping smaller developers. Yeah, and I try to make it my goal, even if I can't beat it, if I see a game that interests me. Because there's nothing worse in this world that I have to play a game that I have to say is bad. I hate that. It, it just it sits bad on the... Because I know that it was made by people, but at the same time, I'm not going to hold back my opinion. If you make a bad game and you give it to me, then I can't help with you did it to yourself. <laughs> so it, it's just... But, you know, for the most part, that's why I only really go to games that like real, that I can tell are going to vibe with the turn base, you know, strategy-based like tactics. Uh, you know, those type of games I know is going to vibe with me. So nine times out mm -hmm. of ten... I'm not going to have an issue with them. But when it comes to triple A's, sometimes I can't help it. Like that, I just get, I get a game that I'm just not vibing with. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh uh, yeah. But yeah, thanks for your hard work though. Uh, you're making some good content at the moment. So yeah, definitely keep it up. Uh, yeah, hopefully you can get some time to play some games like more chilled or like in a more relaxed state. Yeah, I, I think I'm actually going to sit back, play Resident Evil 4 and Baldur's Gate 3. Normally in December, we take like two weeks off. Oh, okay. And, That's nice. you know, me... I've been promising my girl that the weekends are hers. <laughs> so uh, I'm having to like, like draw back on making content on the weekends. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Get some you know, more family time. That'd be good. Yeah. 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 Same. I got two kids, so it's hard to uh, just constantly make content and stuff. But yeah, I think doing this podcast is fun for me to do. And I try to put out a few videos now here and then. But yeah, I can't do like videos like every day or anything like that. But uh, yeah, hopefully in the future I'll be allowed to do that. But thanks, Lord Addict, for that. Okay, so um, we've come to the end of the show. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about or something else you wanted to say? No, one thing I do want to appreciate is, you know, I, I like the perspective of. Like I said, someone from, from Japan, because, you know, 
we we talk a lot about what's going on in Japan, what's going on with Square Enix, and, and it's it's from ignorance. We don't know what's going on over there. <laughs> we we just hear rumors, speculation. But I like the fact that there's more Japanese content creators, especially that that's in the Xbox ecosystem a little bit, that could speak on you know what the landscape is for, especially like a company like Xbox in japan mm -hmm. at the current moment oh yeah thanks yeah yeah i kind of realized that because i think there was like a year or two ago uh xbox were like um xbox is um, fastest growing region or something like that and i think a lot of people were getting carried away to think like 